Oh, hey, hello there. How you doing? Uh, it is Thursday morning. <clears throat> I know I said this, I was might do this last night, but, uh, you know, I ended up going to bed a little bit early after Over the Hump, but right now I'm hanging out with my little guy. Um, he is sleeping on the couch next to me, and the funny thing, um, this is probably not going to be the most musical after the gig podcast in the world, so um, if, if that's what you're here for, maybe go back and listen to a different one. <laughs> um, but I have a couple questions that were brought up last night on uh, the Over the Hump live stream. I don't have a guest today, so it's just me, and uh, just chatting with you guys. So, you know when you have kids and you're watching your kid by yourself and they sleep in like kind of a precarious position, like not the most safe position, but like, you know, if you're next to them watching them, it's totally fine. So Ethan's on the couch right next to me and I really had to poop, really, really badly had to poop. And it was, it was an emergency, had to go. So what I ended up doing, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this out loud, but what I ended up doing was I built a fort of pillows around him on the floor next to him. Um, he's out cold, so and he'd just fallen asleep, so I knew that he wasn't going to wake up, but I was really worried about him waking up and like rolling over. So, But this desperate times, def- desperate measures... So what I did was I got every pillow from the bedroom and I just built a massive pillow fort around him. So he's super safe. It really only took me not, it didn't take me very long and I came back and he was in the same position, but now I have all these pillows I have to clean up. But what I think is going to happen is I think I'm just going to leave the pillow fort and when he wakes up. And after he's done crying and after I feed him, I think we're going to play in the pillow fort. So I think that's what today is going to have. That's what today is going to bring. That's that's the mission for today is play in the pillow fort. And I'm remembering all the forts that I used to make when I was a kid. And it was literally the most fun thing ever. And that's what I look forward to the most in in uh, the next few years is really perfecting my pillow fort skills. And, um, and I, I challenge you and I encourage you to post pictures to build, uh, uh, pillow forts because we're all home. Um, if you're, if you're doing homeschool, maybe, maybe the class today will be inside the pillow fort. We'll do, we'll do learning and, and teaching from the pillow forts. So, I used to have bunk beds and I shared, shared uh, a room with my brother when, when we were very young. And what, ha- what would happen is I would be on the top bunk, but then during the day, I would take off all the sheets and we had the old school bunk bed. So it was the, uh, like the spring, the spring, uh, what do you call that? Like under the actual mattress, the spring frame. Um, so there, it was very dangerous so you would, you would probably get your fingers caught in it, or I probably did get my fingers caught. I'm surprised I didn't lose any fingers, but, um, I would take all the sheets off and then make a little maze. I would like hang the sheets in the springs on the top bunk and then make an actual fort and like a tent underneath. <clears throat> and needless to say, 
my brother was kind of pissed when he would like get home from school or something and all the sheets were up and he had to make the bed, which we probably didn't do. Um, oh my God. I just got a text from Dan Mills. They just had a girl. Oh my goodness. This is the best news ever. Wow. Oh, that's so sweet. I knew that this was going to happen within the next couple of days, but, um, so Dan just texted me and, uh, his wife, Sasha had just had a baby girl. Congratulations, Dan and Sasha. Oh my God. What a sweet picture. That moment when, when, uh, you can like tell everybody <laughs> that it actually, that it happened and like, oh my God, it's so crazy. And I guessed it. I totally guessed it. When Genevieve and I were guessing whether they were going to have a girl or a boy, I said they're going to have another girl. So, oh my God, that's so sweet. And just like that, another kid to make pillow forts with. That's awesome. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, so congratulations to Dan. That's, that's wow, kind of speechless there. What do you talk about after one of your best friends has a kid, has their second kid? Um, well, I guess we're just going to get into some of these questions from last night. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Um, and he actually, he guessed, he thought that they were going to have a kid on Monday. That was his guess. And then Thursday. So they were pretty close, like right, right on the due date. Okay. So questions. Katie Musselman. Hello, Jesse. Here are a few questions as you podcast tonight. It's in the morning. I just didn't have it in me to do it last night. So what is your process when writing a song? Barry has said that he writes lyrics after hearing the tunes, um, but other artists seem to start with lyrics. What is your style? So I think I've, I've talked about this a little bit and, um, everyone, everyone does it differently. So some artists kind of stick with one method. Um, but I feel like most people just write the song kind of how it, however it comes and however it happens. So whether that is lyrics first or music first or chords first, um, it really all depends on just kind of how it happens. And that's, that's a process like, you know, how, how does a painter know what to paint or how does a, you know, I don't know. It, it just, it just kind of happens. So in a lot of songwriting books <clears throat> that I've read and, um, and a lot of my experiences, it just, I guess, I guess in my experience, I kind of, gravitate towards like hearing chords first chords and a melody so i've never really been a strong lyric writer or i've never been really really good at being very um um vulnerable so it will in my lyrics so uh i just kind of try to get a good 
a good chord progression going and like hum a melody. And sometimes like you mumble some things and then some words will come out and then maybe you get a phrase and then I'll think about that phrase and write it down and actually like spend some time with maybe that chord progression on my recorded on my phone. (sighs) And then I'll loop that over and over again and try to write down lyrics. And and then once you have a phrase, I try to think of like, all right, I got to pinpoint down what this is going to be about because a hard thing for a lot of songwriters and a hard thing for me when I first started songwriting or writing songs was taking, taking all of the ideas that just pop into your head and being able to run with like one of them. You know, it's great. It's great to have those ideas and write them down. But at a certain point, you really need to hone in and focus on on one thing and how to develop that one thing. Um, a really difficult thing for me is finishing songs, is starting, having an idea, getting through a lot of these steps and then calling it a night and then coming back and not really being able to get back into that same headspace that I was in when I first started. And I think a lot of songwriters have that same issue. Uh, I know a lot of, a lot of people that they're so good, like they're really good finishers. Like they're really good at starting with an idea and maybe it takes time, but some songs come easier than others, but sometimes it'll take time, but they can start an idea They can pinpoint what it's about. They can really get deep in there with their vulnerability and they can like, they can, um, they can just like really, really tap into the emotions, really, really tap into the emotions. And that's how you get a song that is, means so much to yourself as a songwriter, but then also, um, the audience and the fans and, and a listener can take that, take that thing that they're writing about and find their own purpose and their own meaning into it. And those are the best songs. So you find that songs that are like really, really specific and that you can pinpoint like the specific thing that it's about. And like, you know, if it's specific to their life or whatever, um, those are, I mean, those are great songs to write. You have to write them. You have to finish them. Um, but I feel that those songs aren't as relatable. And I think, I think that's a pretty obvious point to understand. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it really all depends. You, you just have, you have so many people that, that write such good songs and such good poems and, and whatnot. And some are really specific and some aren't so specific. Um, I just tend to gravitate to the, towards the things that, uh, that like really feel good. Like the the melody and the rhythm and the lyrics all have to kind of come together to make something, um, unique, you know, um, I, for one, kind of, I know, I know that I've asked this question before, what, what means more to you, the lyrics or the, or the actual music or, or whatever. And for me, it's really like the way the song makes me feel as far as the instrumentation, the production, the, the actual musicianship and the playing on it. 
the the groove the feel is like a really big a really big thing for me so i i might overlook lyrics and then i'll go back and listen to lyrics and it might make me hate a song or, or it might make me love the song i was listening to um the chris the uh chris Thiele record um i forget the name of that record but doug was listening to it a lot on the on the bus and then i think maybe carter got a hold of it i'm just gonna look it up really cool quick chris Thiele. Mm-hmm. like i have i have the actual like is it thanks for listening i don't feel like it's thanks for listening Man, oh, maybe it wasn't Chris Thiele. Maybe it was it was it Punch Brothers? I think it was Punch Brothers. Uh, here we go. Where is it? Where is it? Where? Yep, All Ashore. So I was listening to All Ashore, and I really loved the instrumentation. I love how I don't know if he's using if he's tuning his vocal. Uh, I know mo- most people do, but if he's not tuning his vocal, he just has like the most smooth, straight like like pinpoint accurate vocal when he, whenever he sings and I, i've heard him like that live and um that is man that's something that i myself as a singer strive to be like when you sing a line to not like scoop up to a note and just hit the note right on that is so hard to do and some people can just do it so well and I've worked so hard <laughs> to try to get better at it. And it's it's such a crutch. And it takes a lot of uh, patience and practice to get to that point. But, I mean, the dude's a musical genius. But back to my point. That album, All Short, I love it. I love the rhythms. I love the instrumentation. I mean, the the, the musicianship uh, with Punch, Punch Brothers is, like, second to none. And Doug kind of not ruined it for me but he came over he's like oh uh we think about the lyrics of those songs it's pretty bad and then i went back and listened to it again and i was like yeah i might not like really understand (laughs) the purpose of this and now that i'm listening to it and i can actually and i'm thinking about it and i'm like mulling it all over these lines and what they mean i'm like eh, now now it's not really I basically haven't really listened to the album since then. So it's not because I don't like it. But then you have other stuff like D'Angelo, who I love. And a lot of the lyrics are like mumbled or you can't understand them, especially on the last record um, uh, with the Vanguard uh, Black Messiah. But I don't care. I don't, you know, I don't care that maybe I couldn't understand it on the first line through, or maybe I had to go through the lyric book and read it to figure it out. But I don't mind it as much because the way that the music and the melodies and the the harm, like the vocal harmonies are just, are just beautiful. The way that he puts them together throughout all of his music. And he has some of the best rhythm sections in all of, in all of music. So with, uh, you know, Chris Dave playing drums. He has, I think, Questlove playing drums on some songs. Pino Palladino playing bass. Isaiah Sharkey on guitar. It's just, he has incredible musicians in that band. Um, So, I hope that answers that part of the question. Kind of went off on a tangent there. 
What is something that you miss about touring and that you didn't expect you'd miss? I feel like this question, like if you approach it as a touring musician that maybe toured and, and used to play and maybe is a little older now and isn't doing doing it anymore, um, and that person like kind of looks at it like the good old days and um you know it's a common tale it happens and there's nothing wrong with that and uh i don't i'm obviously i'm pretty in the thick of it right now and i don't really look at it that way um but i could see that person missing touring for like the fun times and the camaraderie and and um you know, just the good times they had and for the music, for the love of the music. And I guess a lot of those are the same right now, but you almost feel like, like, I feel like I miss it in a way that a person that had their passport stolen with all of their stamps in it, with all the places that they went and they had it stolen and they can't, and they can't get it back. That's a, that's a pretty, that's kind of how I feel about um about touring right now touring was one of my only times to get any time to myself and that might sound selfish and it might sound uh weird and might might not be able to understand that but that was my time to work on music work on the podcast be with my friends um try to put on a really good show every night and you're really working on something every single night and being past the point of where I was just going out to play and like get, you know, wasted and, you know, whatever and, and, and have, and have a really good time and then also play the show. Those time that time I'm glad is over because yeah, we had a lot of fun, but it had its time and it had its place. And now I have more fun when you know terry picks up uh carter after a show and gives him a helicopter that's fun (laughs) that's some good old-fashioned clean fun and going up there and working on the tempos of the songs and and you know if john's not happy with with a tempo or how something went i really like the process of thinking about how how can we how can John not be bummed that we played something the way that we played? How can I not be bummed that we played something the way we played? How can we make Carter's life easier with his instrument changes and, um, and sounds and like, what, what is the sweet spot for everybody? Figuring that out and being able to be out there and do something that you love and play music is, is there's not really an experience like it. I can't think of anything that, that really compares to that. I mean, it's really, it's really something, um, it's really something else. And then you have, you know, I, when I talked to Adam Ezra, Adam Ezra is, and, and Stephen Kellogg as well, like really feed off that connection with their fans. Um, they, they are lyric writers and they are experience makers. So what, and we try to be like that too, but as a, as a whole, as a group. But the point is, is that they take their lyrics and they take 
situations and experiences and they try to connect with their audience and that, and then doing, doing the live streams, you know, with Adam doing the gathering with Steven doing the experience tour, Steven does a great job. I haven't seen one in a little bit. And I, and I know that there's listeners of the show that, that are big fans of Steven and, and you can send me an email and fill me in about how, how much you like it and, and what you like about it, what you don't like about it. Um, but you know, I'm, it's, it's great to not have to hop in a van and, and get in a hotel at one in the morning, wake up at five and drive six hours to the next, the next town. But you drive to the next town. There's nothing that beats that feeling of being with people, of being around people and playing shows and, and, and having like the loud sounds of the drums and the bass and the, and the guitar that, that feeling is like pretty unmatched. And, um, are we in, I want it back. <laughs> that, that's what I miss. Um, I really miss being like around, uh, around the guys all the time and being able to play, play and figure out the set list. And, you know, that's what I miss. Um, I miss it more thinking about it now, but you know, we'll see. We'll see what opens up later in the year. We'll see what we're able to do. Next year, there's only something to look forward to. Now it's like the challenge of finding babysitters. And there's just different challenges now um, that, you know, the other guys have had to deal with. And now I'm learning how to deal with it. And, um, you know, not having things canceled. Not just being like, okay, having something to look forward to every single time you book something. And then a week before it can't do it. So that's, that's tough. I miss, I miss shows being scheduled and happening. Um, what is something you like about being at home that you didn't expect to enjoy so much? I mean, I just love, I really love hanging out with my son. It's awesome. He changes every single day. Um, I like the fact that I can play video games with my friends from high school who have been friends of mine for so many years and like play online and connect and hang out and, and, uh, know what's going on in their lives more. Um, that's fun. I like being able to go for walks around Rhode Island. I like to be able to, uh, drive down to the beach whenever I want to, um, I've had the experience of working with my brother, which it has been uh, really great and also tough sometimes. Um, so there's all these just different things. And, and uh-oh, look who might be awake. He's probably like, Dad, shut up. But I got to do this. So, But it's also been fun, like, making the After the Gig merch and, you know, seeing people wear it and also doing the over the hump live streams and have people comment like hundreds of comments every single time I do it. Um, but it's also been a challenge to keep it fresh and to do new things. And, and I want to do those things and then finding the time. That's something that's hard about being home is finding the time to be creative. Um, which is, which is difficult. It is very, very difficult, uh, to find that time and to be able to do things to, to make it worth it for you guys. Um, but I am slowly 
gaining steam when it comes to when it comes to those things. So um, and it's hard. It's a lot like it's a lot like songwriting, and, and people people just write and write and write, and maybe nothing comes of it. But you have to you have to keep the machine going, and you have to keep trying to start uh, work on and then finish things. I hope uh, I hope these are answering these questions. How did being a touring musician prepare you for fatherhood? Now, the interesting thing about this is that you don't really, when you're on the road, you don't expect like, oh, this is, this is what is, uh, I'm going to use this as lessons to teach my kid. (laughs) The thing is, the thing that you really see when you're an actual touring musician, not just a regional touring musician, you're, and you're really seeing a lot of different parts of the country is that people live in such different ways. And there's really, so there's so many different personalities and there's so many different way to do things. And I used to be somebody that thought that there was, you know, my way, not my way or the highway, but like, Oh, I very particular. This is how it needs to be done. But that's just not true. So a big thing, um, that touring is preparing me for fatherhood is that like, I want my son to travel, um, you know, with his mother being from Ireland, I think it's really, really cool. I'm thinking back when I was a kid thinking like, oh man, like so interested with accents and so interested with people from, uh, other countries and stuff. And I think it's so cool that he is a mom that is from Ireland has, has an Irish accent and he has that, that, um, a little bit, you know, it's not super diverse, but a little bit of diversity, uh, in his, in his home. And then, uh, you know, it just kind of opens the door to be able to travel because we'll go to Ireland with him and then he'll get to go over there and then maybe England and hopefully travel around the States. And, um, but it also being on the road kind of helped teach me how to, talk to people and socialize a little better and interact with people. And that's something that we're definitely losing with social media. Um, which I think is, is one of the best things and also one of the worst things that's ever happened to humanity. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't want to get too, too into that, but I, man, I get so close to deleting all my accounts as every day goes by and, and all the garbage that you see it's, and it's cause if you just turn it off, if you just turn it off and you go outside and you go to your local store and you go to your local, read your local newspaper and you try to get involved in your local politics or whatever and, and businesses and, and talk to the people that are around you, then you're going to have a better time and you're going to have a better experience. But if you look at this huge mountain, that is the entire country and the entire network that everyone is dealing with. And then it becomes a ton of different people with a ton of different views that all want to be safe and happy and whatever. Yeah. There's some really bad people out there, but now everybody has his voice. I don't want to get into this any deeper than this, but it's just, um, all those people in one place, like they don't all live in the same place for a lot of different reasons. 
and they all live in the same place on the internet and anyone can just say anything that and not think about the other person's point of view and opinion or whatever. So I think it's really dangerous and, um, and, and pretty, and is harming us more than it's doing good right now. Anyway. So, um, I hope that answered your questions, Katie. I think you have another, actually you have another one. <clears throat> um, okay. To preface, I had, I have had a question for you related to that thing you do or so, <laughs> um, for so long, but for some reason I assumed you wouldn't know that film. How would you assume that I didn't know that film? I have seen that movie hundreds of times, hundreds and hundreds of times. I remember when it came out, it was like the best thing ever. Cause I was, came out and I was playing a lot of go fish and anytime, anytime we would play cards or go fish, we'd flash our deck and say, you gotta be quick with me. I'm from Erie PA. Um, let's see. You know how the drummer decides that the song is too slow and decides to up the tempo when they're, uh, doing a live performance so that there's no going back. Have you ever used your power as a drummer in a similar way? Um, nothing that is as notable as, as that thing you do by the Oneaters, but I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I'm sure I've rushed songs when I probably shouldn't have, because in the moment, I think that's what you, uh, another thing that I said, like in the moment when you're, you know, really high energy, you're going into a show and might be the first couple shows of the tour and you, and you play things a little too quickly. Yeah, totally playing things too fast. But as far as like hearing a song that wasn't, um, I guess like smoke, smoky Joe, the Poconos on the new gathering album by carbon leaf is kind of like that because it was that, that chugging along train B that, and I thought that it needed to be slowed down. Um, and not necessarily by the tempo, but by where the accents and the groove fell. So instead of, it would be, so hope that makes sense. It doesn't sound stupid, but, um, that is one experience with that. But I mean, it's an up-tempo number. Jimmy wanted it to be slow, but it's an up-tempo number. People like it that way. And it was wicked. It got voted wicked and they won the talent show. So I just wish I could play a weekly gig at Villa Pianos. That'd be great. Free pizza, spaghetti and meatballs, get to play. You know, it'd be great. Um, maybe, yeah, I think we should do an after the gig viewing party of that thing you do. That'd be a great idea. I have to pause this soon because I hear rumblings of the dude waking up. My <clears throat> um, question for the podcast, and this is from Aaron Lloyd. Question for the podcast, after listening to Gathering Volume 2 and knowing it's ultimately a four-volume set of music, I was wondering how much of the four volumes were planned out ahead of time. I was surprised with how well it fit into the first volume thematically. Playing the two EPs back-to-back sound great together on a playlist. I think that has a lot to do with the instrumentation. Uh, there's no like electric guitars or anything. It's all acoustic instruments. 
I feel like I played a big role into trying to bridge the gap between really, really folky sounding to a little bit more to a, uh, like a, a, um, not a rock vibe, but just maybe Americana, um, maybe bridging the gap to something a little heavier in the future. Hint, hint. Um, I think, well, I don't think I know that, uh, one day we just showed up. We knew that we had to do, we we're going to do a recording project. And the great thing about Barry is he's working. This is the stuff that he works on. So I showed up. I didn't really know these songs. I hadn't heard these things before. I was like, oh, what are we doing? It was a little bit of a, um, how I'm not sure what we're doing. And then Barry just kind of pushed his vision through. And once we had a grasp of the songs and what they were about and kind of like a skeleton of the songs, then we knew how then then I could kind of mess with it and, and put put a stamp on it and change the groove to that song and then maybe do like big Tom things on this other song and, and um, experiment with some sounds. And the best thing about having your own studio is you can experiment with whatever you want to do. So I don't think it was necessarily planned ahead to be so similar to... Not so similar, but to have... Um, uh, to be related to gathering one. I think all the gatherings are going to be related, but it wasn't, you know, if you're asking whether gathering two was written at the same time as gathering one, no, it wasn't. Um, it was written much later, uh, and kind of, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a whirlwind of a, of a, of a recording process It happened very quickly. And, um, and then the post-production takes, took a lot longer, than the actual production of it. And I think the actual writing of it. So I don't know. I think, and I think Barry would have a different answer to that question because maybe he was working on these, these lyrics and these, uh, these themes a long time ago. And because he comes up with a theme and builds a story around it and does research on it and, and does uh, a, a lot of work. So, and, and we're not involved in that work. That work is very much him and his solitude and, and, and learning those things, which I'm sure, which I think a lot of songwriters do. Um, you know, you have, you know, if you listen to Haley Steele's episode, you have Nashville people that have co-writes and stuff and they really bear their souls to the other person that's writing with them. But in this situation, when, you know, someone like Barry, I, I think it's a very personal experience for him. And, and he explained it as, uh, putting the puzzle together. So that is that. Um, so just those, just those questions. I think, uh, we'll keep this short. So I did a couple of, of lessons this week, which was awesome. It was really, really cool. And and I feel like it worked very well for the, uh, for the zoom lessons. Um, and uh, I'd like, I'd love to do do more of them. So if you're interested in doing a Zoom lesson uh, on guitar, drums, or or vocal, whatever, um, hit me up after the gig pod at gmail.com. If you're new to the show, this is not the regular format. This is uh, kind of a reset. I do one or two of these 
every so often to kind of keep people up to date with what's going on. And, um, and that's that. And answer some questions and just kind of hang out while my son is sleeping next to me, looking like the cutest thing ever. Um, so other than that, check out my website, jessehumphreymusic.com. Not jessehumphreymusic.com. It's just jessehumphrey.com. And there's links to the podcast. You can actually listen to the podcast there. There's a couple videos, links to the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash after the gig. And that's a really, really great way um, where you can support the podcast and get some uh, extra content. And um, uh, what else? And there's links to the merch store. So if you want to rep your favorite podcast with my face on the uh on 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 your your shirt or on your clothing go do it man go get yourself a mug go get yourself a t-shirt it's fall now it's getting cold we got some sweet sweatshirts up there so check that out um it's teespring.com slash stores slash after the gig but you can also just go to my website uh, jessehumphrey.com and click the merch link on the homepage. That's it, guys. Um, next over the hump will be next week. I'm going to be doing a contest, um, a little giveaway thing there. You can find out how to enter during the week. Instagram is uh, Jay Humphrey Music, all that good stuff. So, miss you guys. I hope to see you at a show soon. Um, you guys have been really, really great and really, really supportive. And uh, thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for hanging out and listen to me sometimes complain during this thing, but also hopefully, uh, you know, educate on stuff. And I think, I think I might do a video on how I put the podcast together and also um, some tech stuff. So if you want to do something like this, uh, you know, I'll provide some information on how to do it, the gear you might need, the stuff that you actually don't need, and how to do it, you know? Anybody can do this. So, all right, guys, love you lots, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Look at me, look at me, look at me, I'm on the beach. With white sand all over my sun-kissed feet. Y'all don't know about the meals I eat. Y'all don't know about the schedule that I have to keep. Here I am chilling in my bathing suit. Poolside with my ladies, you can see we're real cute. I leave town so I can relax. Check every minute, make sure that people dig where I'm at.
in the palm of your hand In the palm of your hand